Welcome to Breaking Business Barriers, where we believe that choosing to go all in is the only way to create true freedom in your business and life. Now join your hosts, Brent Duhane, Dr. Joseph Kay, and Brandon Straza, as they talk to industry leaders, veteran CEOs, and cutting edge entrepreneurs about the tough decisions they made on their way to success. This is Breaking Business Barriers. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Business Barriers. My name is Brandon Straza, also known as The Real Naked Agent, along with Dr. Joseph Kay and Brent Duhame. And uh, we're here today with uh, a former colleague of mine, Colleen Boyette, and a colleague of hers, Navroz Bilamoria, uh, all the way from Mumbai, India. And uh, we here at Breaking Business Barriers, uh, for those of you just tuning in, are uh, focused primarily on entrepreneurship and st uh, business startup culture. And I was talking to my friend Colleen, who um, has been a bit of a risk taker in her life herself, traveling all over the globe. And she said, I, I know a perfect person with a perspective. He comes from a very prestigious school here in uh in mumbai and was studied at an ivy league school here in the u.s at university of penn and his name is navros and so we're very fortunate to have navros here today could you tell us a little something about yourself yeah what a pleasure joseph thank you for having me on this podcast so yeah it's a very interesting story actually because i grew up in mumbai i'm zoroastrian myself so we're a small parsi community in mumbai a very small community around the world and I went to a high school called Cathedral and John Conan. Uh, worked really hard to get myself into an Ivy League UPenn. And it's really at UPenn where I uh, had my first tryst with entrepreneurship because there was a professor called uh, Dr. Tom Castle. And uh, he teaches this lovely course called Engineering Entrepreneurship. And it's one of those things where it caught me, it piqued my interest. It really caught my attention. and. Uh, he would really teach entrepreneurship through these Harvard business case studies. And uh, following UPenn, of course, I had the opportunity to work in the US. But long story short, uh, found myself back in Mumbai. Education found me. Um, I started as a teacher at BD Somani soon after at the age of 23. And I've loved my journey ever since. I've taught math, I've taught physics, I've taught this lovely course called Theory of Knowledge. Uh, at the school, and uh, of course, it's an absolute pleasure to be working with Dr. Kaleem in the capacity of deputy principal, um, and that's the education side. But like every other Indian, um, multitasking is is part of the DNA, and I can tell you that one of my strongest passions is investing in equities. Um, so I'm very, I have a strong pulse of what the market looks like, different sectors. Because the whole idea of generating wealth through equities is to know when to enter and exit at the right time. So you have to know the in, ins and outs of these markets, uh, what the micro factors are, what the macro narrative is, and uh, more importantly, how the government is subsidizing things and taxing things to promote um, that entrepreneurial spirit in this country. So that's a bit about me and my background. Um, that's well that's fascinating that is quite the background 
So I guess I'll just turn it over to um, to uh, Brent and Brandon briefly. Maybe we can start with uh, Brent. You can you can go and then we'll go to Brandon. Um, we ha we have an expression here in the U.S. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, investing in equities is kind of like trying to catch a dagger midair. You know, it's all in the timing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes, it's a falling knife. So um, Brent, you have a, a, a some background in this, and, and Brandon, you do too. And what we talk about here on breaking business barriers is is the entrepreneurs risk tolerance they have such a great tolerance for risk um you can call it nerves of steel or courage or or whatnot but brent um where, where do you come in on this well i've got about a, i've got about a thousand questions after that introduction so i'll go i'll go to my go-to question though obviously you've already mentioned at least one mentor that really made an impact uh, on you very early and while in school, is there a is there a particular book or author that you know you just you could probably read two or three times if you haven't already that you think of? Well, I think Malcolm Gladwell early on in my life for sure. Um, I just love his uh, contemporary way of writing. It's very real. It's very direct. Um, Blink, of course, was my first uh, uh, book that I read of his. I love Outliers, uh, Tipping Point, of course. So yes, it would it would be Malcolm Gladwell in that regard. And um, then, of course, um, there is the Bible when it comes to investing. Um, Warren Buffett's guru. Uh, so of course, there's that thick red book which every investor wants his or her salt needs to get into. Benjamin Graham, that is. Um, so I'll go. I'll say those two books, of course. Uh, most excellent. And uh, Brandon, I know. I, I see. I see the smoke coming out of your, your <laughs> headset, Brandon. So what you got? Yeah. Number one, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time, as I know there's a little bit of a time difference there. And uh, I mean, it's just super fascinating. Joseph had told us everything about you guys, and then just like getting the opportunity to have this. So I really want to appreciate. You know, thank you for your time. When when you started down your entrepreneurial journey, did you ever have someone sit there and say, listen, this is not for you. You you, you shouldn't go this direction. Did anyone come up? Was there a roadblock of someone saying, don't do this, but your entrepreneurial, your risk, uh, uh, your risk tolerance was there and you pushed past it? Of course. I mean, great question. Um, I think when when you come from the subcontinent in India, there is always this expectation of uh, performing to family expectation. And uh, depending on the vocation that you're in, it could be a tire making industry, it could be a family business of exports. Uh, in the Parsi community, we, we take on really important vocational jobs in the form of lawyers, educators, doctors. So there's always that pressure to conform to that sense of vocation. Um, when I started my, my journey, if you want to call it a career, I think my ticket was engineering initially. My dad went to IIT, which is a really prestigious university in India. And it was always on one of his sons. I have a brother and a sister. And there was always going to be that legacy of carrying on the engineering baton, if you will, and then doing something meaningful with that. And that's a repeated motif or a narrative with a lot of Indian families where there's a sense of legacy, if you will. Um, to break out of that requires a lot of uh, confidence. 
when I started on my journey in equities, it was more out of passion than anything else. And yes, people always say it's 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 akin to gambling. It's akin to uh, taking too many risks, which are not really what um, um, uh, what the reward. But I would say that when you know what you are doing and you are confident in what you are doing, no one can tell you that you can't do something. And for me, that is the entrepreneurial spirit because any good entrepreneur, what his or her soul, has definitely faced roadblocks every step of the way, whether it's prejudice, whether it's uh, negativity, whether it's jumping on the bandwagon. They've always believed in themselves. So I think it comes back to the self-awareness and tenacity of the individual, which really bypasses all of these things. So I wouldn't say I've had roadblocks per se, but of course there have been hurdles every step of the way, and you just have to believe in your long-term vision in your philosophy it's about being true to what you believe in yeah that's 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 great and it really segues into my next question if you were to have a superpower in who you are today and what you've accomplished what would that superpower be if i had a superpower yes it's a pre-existing superpower i'm not saying it's like flying or laser beam eyes i'm just saying what, what is your like someone comes to you and they're like this I'm going to learn this from this individual. What is your superpower? I think honestly, that's a great point. It would be determined. It would be grit, grit, and my ability to motivate. I think I love being a motivator. I love taking on the role of the role model, if you will. Um, and um, I would say, yeah, the, the sense of grit and determination is certainly something that uh, is. The superpower, if you will. Sure. I think that's spot on. I, I, um, perhaps like Colleen, come from primarily an academic background. Of, uh, I've seen that as my vocation, and it's only recently uh, that I've kind of swum in the business world. And, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I hear Brent and Brandon talk, who've spent their whole lives in this, they they talk about things as if it's already happened. You know, they, they, they have such a clear vision in their heads of where it's going. And they almost speak as if it's it's happening right now, even though it's not yet happening. And it's that clarity of thought and that that grit, that that determination that sort of ushers in the future. So it's a really interesting thing. Um, and it's I, I get the feeling it's something that can't be taught. It's inherent in the person. Um, but it's really yeah. entrepreneurs because we are not in control of that. If we were independent entrepreneurial business people, then we have more more control over that environment. But oftentimes, as educators, you know, we are superimposed against a backdrop over which we don't have ultimate control, and it's very frustrating. So I admire people that can make the transition um, from like Navros, from a, a family background in the business world and investments. Um, in the professional world, and then moving into education. But that's a skill set that is transferable. Although I, I must say, you must have some frustration um, within an educational setting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think um, I have found the harmony between the two. I mean, my primary go-to has to be what I do 24-7, which is uh, my job, uh, my commitment to the school, my commitment to education at large. But then... The entrepreneurial spirit becomes the, the passion, the sub-passion that keeps me going. 
you always need to have something that you can fall back to, to switch off. And when I switch off, the numbers start speaking to me and that undercurrent is what allows me to actually be a better educator. Because while the skill sets are transferable, they're very different puzzles to crack. And I think in many ways that allows me to be really efficient in both circles because they don't, they're mutually exclusive in a way. So while the skills are transferable, you need a lot of patience in investing in entrepreneurship. You need to be a people's person. Unquestionably, yes, you need to understand human psychology at a whole other level because it's an aggregate psychology is the market. And uh, many of that is essentially what we do in education. Um, so I, I think to have these two uh, running parallel to each other in my life just strengthens each of them. And I never have to choose one over the other because as you know, gentlemen, they're 24 hours in a day and you can't do it all. So yeah. Um, you know, what's really interesting about that part is that uh, while you're teaching uh, I think a lot of times uh, as I was going through college, you know, we'd huddle up and and a lot of these professors, uh, they, you know, they, they could teach from a book, but not a whole lot of experience in some cases. And what you're doing is is truly remarkable. So, all right, you're a hard charging, you're motivated, you, you, you know, 24 hours in a day. Occasionally, uh, occasionally there's a time for a little sleep, but is, is there anything in the world in your life that keeps you up at night from time to time? Um, that keeps me go, uh, up at night? Yeah, maybe a, maybe a sleepless night. Maybe, you know, your three hours that you're probably sleeping, you know, you every, night. Day, every day. <laughs> I think, let me put it to you this way. In education, the fact that you're responsible for so many different people is truly a commitment. So you can never take that responsibility lightly. And I think unequivocally, Dr. Kalina and myself, you know, our first priority is, of course, to our stakeholders and to do right by our teachers, our parents and our students. And that's a lot of people. So, of course, you're going to always think as to could I have done something better? Could I have done something more differently? And, you know, to juxtapose that with being an entrepreneur, or being an investor, um, you have more control of the variables. Let me put it to you that way. So you're, you're more in control of your own destiny in that regard. But when it comes to uh, education, it's so dynamic, it's so variable, it's so multifaceted, it changes day after day after day. So yes, some nights are more relaxing than others, but uh, it, it, it's no joke, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. And it's good, it's a, it's a busy life, but it's a good life. Dr. Colleen, I've got a question for you. Uh, it's a two-part question. Were you around so much entrepreneurialism and you just enthusiasm before you came to the school? And then my question, I have a question after that then. Um, I would say no. My, my previous four years prior to coming to Mumbai were spent on a little island in Korea called Jeju Island. Little rural agricultural, uh, I think it's 45 square miles, very tiny. Um, so, you know, the little garlic farmer, I guess we could consider him an entrepreneur out there, um, but not so much. Coming to Mumbai, it's amazing that Navra set up for me, the very first task he set before him was to hook me up to this, the, all these different apps that will deliver stuff to me, my dry cleaning, my food, 
in a way that I've never seen before, ever. I mean, I can order food from my doorstep, my I've just never seen anything like that before, not in the United States or free or anywhere else. So the entrepreneurial spirit is very alive and well. In the field of education, there's a lot of entrepreneurship. There are people that I would like to hire to be guidance counselors, but I can't because they get paid twice as much out there in the private sector as entrepreneurs. Um, so these kinds of things, I mean, the education is paramount for parents here in Mumbai. And sometimes that means private tutors that are hired, people that do um, that take online, you know, offer online classes for their students at one in the morning because that's when they're available. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Well, you answered my second part is what, what's your big takeaway from the entrepreneurial spirit that I figured you have seen in Mumbai and with your team around you. So that's, that's great. Here's my takeaway on this one. Um, when I go home to the United States and I, I'm a proud American, I served in the military um, and an American citizen, but I will tell you this, America's living in the 1950s and they have most Americans who have never been outside the United States, don't speak another language, don't carry a passport, have no idea that Asia has bypassed them. And their mindset is, you know, it's post-World War II, 1950s, we're still on top. No. No. I go home, My all my siblings married people from Detroit, I feel like I'm going to a third world country when I go home. The entrepreneurial spirit, spirit is here in Asia. And I would say Mumbai's pretty like ground zero for that. Yeah, I remember I watched a, a video um, by a futurist and it was the guy who said, uh, and I mean, his name is escaping me. He's the one who said the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Stuart Brand, yes. that was the gentleman. And he did a, a video where he talked about um, not so much the decline of the West. He didn't. He didn't phrase it in those terms. But the ascendancy of of you know Asia and Africa in particular, and it was exactly the type of dynamic you're talking about, Colleen. This homebrew infrastructure, where uh, immediate problems on the street are immediately solved by entrepreneurs working pretty much at, at will and ad hoc, and that's where you can get a culture like here. We've been talking about. Um, uh, food delivery uh, through drones and whatnot and, and DoorDash and Uber Eats are, are services that will bring you food, but they're not evenly distributed. Uh, there's many places where you can't do that. But in a place like Mumbai, it's it's endemic. It's kind of woven into the fabric of the city. Uh, we were talking this morning about that. What, what were, you mentioned specifically about like people living on the street that they'll figure out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to give context here. There is this really local, um, I wouldn't even call him a restaurant here. He's literally just a local service provider for something in India called pan. It's this dessert that one eats after their meal, usually dinner, as a mouth freshener, and um, really cheap. Ranges for anywhere between 20 rupees to 60 rupees. That's literally just under a dollar, yeah? Um, and the wealth that he's been able to generate by volume over the many years, I would put it between six to seven years, now sees him um, as a celebrity. He's got his own BMW 7 Series. 
He's uh, got this lovely home for himself and his family. Simply because what Indians do, um, for me, differently than any other entrepreneur, is that they they approach the volume game brilliantly. They know how to make money using volume. So the margins may not be as lucrative or attractive in another part of the world, but they don't even think of the margins when it comes to basic entrepreneurship in the service industry. It's how fast can I get, how different can I be, and escalate really quickly. Word of mouth is huge in India. So yes, social media has come in the latter decade or so, but word of mouth has seen this fellow reach from literally the basic grassroots level to the top of the pyramid in his business. And that is the entrepreneurship spirit. You know, just go really quickly, really fast, attack the volume game. That is fascinating. And I think that is probably a key to a lot of success that's seen in uh, in Mumbai and, and in the, the subcontinent for sure. Yeah. Well, we're coming up. Oh, I'm sorry, Brandon, please. Uh, no, I was just going to say, Brent and I, throughout the years of mortgage banking insurance, we've always talked about it. it's it's a unit game. It's a volume game. If you have to sit there and focus on the margins, you're going to end up losing. And I was going to ask you, what is the one thing that you would give advice to America or the entrepreneurs listening to it around the world uh, that they could immediately implement? Like, what can I implement tomorrow? And I think it's the volume, or is there any other advice that you would get? Uh, that's a great question. I think, I think the, let me start by saying this. I think the one thing I do admire about a lot of entrepreneurs in America is the fact that they're willing to go out there and do something differently. I think that's something I really value. I think the creativity in entrepreneurship in America is very unique. And case in point being that the Orient usually apes the Occidental world. We've seen this time and time again in history. What I would say in terms of an area for improvement would be in terms of, and I know this sounds uh, maybe a bit harsh, but I would say never let delusion creep in. I think, you know, the one part that doesn't get said enough in entrepreneurship, the rosy picture is always that chase your dreams, let your dreams take you where you want to be. But I always say dream with your eyes open. Be realistic about how you want to go about point A, point B, point C. And I think in Asia, you have to have those calculated dreams because you don't have a fallback. You don't have a cushion. So the entrepreneurial culture out here is more calculated than it ever has been. You know how you're going to do things. You know that you don't have a fallback. So you're never delusional about where you want to be. It's very good to have a dream. I think there's nothing more powerful than a strong dream. But to realize it requires very strong willpower, very strong focus. And I think that's something I would give to the entrepreneurs in, in the USA that, you know, dream a dream with your eyes open. It'll help you get there faster. <laughs> very good. Very good. I, I guess I'll, I'll round this out by saying that, Colleen, your, your background and uh, my background together is that we worked at a small school in uh, the middle of Florida, in central Florida, and we spent uh, a good probably like 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes in the evening riding together and just talking about all sorts of subjects. And 
Um, I loved I loved the kids we worked with there, and I thought that some of them had great entrepreneurial spirits, uh, and some of them had very uh, focused academic pursuits. But there, and in a lot of places in America, I see kind of like an ennui uh, or a um, not a, a listlessness, but like a, a a sense of not knowing what to do. You know, not knowing what to do. Have you ex- have you experienced something different amongst the youth um, elsewhere? Well, I, I work with a different kind of clientele in our school here in India, so I can only speak to the experience that I've had so far. And I would I would say in many ways this is similar to the clientele I had in Korea. So we service um, uh, students from families who are, are well off and um, who also and who emphasize education a great deal at home, so the family supported there. Um, oftentimes in our in a Title I school, which is our background, um, oftentimes parents were working three jobs, could not always be there for their children. They had other stresses in their life, no judgment, but, but there was a difference. But our parents here are very supportive of the children, and as Nabras indicated before, there's an expectation that they will follow in the family's footsteps, in the business footsteps. Um, so I would say, there's a great deal of pressure on our students as he is to follow there. And so they look to us for leadership and what are the other options out there. So I guess in that regard, our students that we taught in Florida were often looking for any idea and you know what what could a possibility be? Let's paint a picture of what your future could look like if you go on your class and one university. Here, it's assumed everyone's going to university, but I might have to talk a student into following a, a degree in humanities if that's really where their heart is, um, instead of going, you know, toward business school or or some of these other Stern or some of the other business programs. So I think I, I see my job as saying just just realize there are other options out there if you don't want to go into business. Many of our students, I mean, our school services students from families who uh, for many generations are, have been business people. I mean, we're in, we're in the, the heart of Mumbai, the Cuff Parade District, and that's the focus on many of our students. Great, great. All right, well, I'm, uh, I'm gonna wrap it up and, and thank you two so much for um, for joining us, and I hope I hope we can set something up like this in the future. Um, I've I, like Brent and Brandon. I, I generated so many questions in our time together. Uh, I, I probably would benefit from time sorting them out. So maybe I can pass it to Brent for a second, and then Brandon, if you want to talk us out on the exit, that would be great. Brent. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Uh, you're kicking up our day here. Awesome. And this will probably be titled uh, dream with your eyes wide open. So both of you really pass along some really, really cool stuff. Thank you very much, Brandon. Yeah. My mind is just turning right now from both of you and it's, it's beautiful to be able to have this conversation. So I appreciate it. I know anyone that's going to listen to this will appreciate this. And again, uh, Colleen, thank you for your service and, and both of you, um, Thank you for your time and like being open and, and, and genuine about this. I look forward to a future conversation. Yeah. So my name is Brandon Strauss, also known as the real naked agent along with Dr. Joseph K and Brent Duhame. We'll see you on the airwaves. You've been listening to breaking business barriers for more information, or if you have a compelling story to tell, find us on Facebook at open media source.